0: I don't really like to hype coaches up, but I've kind of been a fan of him since I saw that opening press conference. Just The passion he came with and his uh, his approach and then his emphasis on discipline, I think he's exactly what we needed. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Mann. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dawgs. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. He and the house. so we're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley, you're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders great. Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I I can wake up to that greeting every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, Nose fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go Nose. William Barnum Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up?
1: What's happening, guys? This is Logan from Hear the Sphere, presented to you by Null Game Day. We are recording again, second time this week. This is phenomenal. Uh, We are well into a little bit of 2020. Uh, Tonight, I'm going to be joined not just by my two co-hosts. I'm going to be joined by someone else, our special guest. You've heard of him here on here before on Hear the Sphere, former 2013 national champion. Freddie Stevenson is going to be with us tonight, uh, and he's going to talk about his new book, that he has recently released. Uh, And we're going to discuss a lot of Florida State football that's going on currently, the staff that is fully in place, a little bit of Dalvin Cook. Freddie knows real well about Dalvin and their playing time together back in his day. And then uh, a little bit, and we're going to take some of these questions that we got from Twitter answered. Uh, As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google play, YouTube. So if you're on a website right now, listening, make sure you guys, if you have an Apple iPhone, go to the Apple podcast app, subscribe and uh all that and then if you're on an android spotify soundcloud there's a lot of other ways to follow uh but yeah i think that's gonna do it what's going on freddie how you doing man
0: i'm good i'm good i'm i'm alive i'm well everything good right now life is great oh happy new year by the way
1: yes happy new year guys uh dustin our lead writer is with us tonight and also our lead basketball
2: writer austin Vizi. what's popping boys what's going on happy to be here talking with freddie should be a good time
3: yeah, it's been a pretty great weekend. Vikings somehow won in the playoffs. Florida State beat Louisville in basketball. It's a good weekend.
2: Yeah, it's a
1: good weekend for Austin. I was <laughs> cheering for. I always cheer for Dalvin, uh, but so then I'm also cheering for you, Austin. Uh, so your boys coming through with the win today was big, and also Dalvin Cook had a pretty nice day too.
3: Hey, support me off the podcast, but not on the podcast. That's fine. He did what? So you support me off the podcast, but oh, I'm not yeah. on the podcast.
1: That's yeah, fine. not on the not on the podcast, but <laughs> off of it, yes. <laughs> if Dalvin's if Dalvin's talked about it, yes, I, I will support you as much as I can. Um, but yeah, Freddie's with us. We have had him on. I think this might be our third time having Freddie Stevenson on here. Freddie Stevenson was a fullback during Dalvin Cook's days, so both of them have a very close relationship. Uh, I remember having also you ha- having you on Freddie. We talked about the Clemson block, which obviously was a big discussion on Twitter. It always is whenever we face Florida State faces the Tigers every year. Uh, but Freddie Stevenson also just released a book, and you can find. I'm sure he'll be able to tell you too, uh, at least on Amazon. And it talks about his obstacles that he faced, going from how he got to Florida State. And even before that, but you know, going through and winning the national champion at such a young and his young career with the Seminoles, and then also going to the NFL, uh, and yeah, tell us a little bit more about the book, Freddie.
0: Um, yes. Yeah, um, basically, my story, my spin on how I overcame different obstacles to get wherever where I was and achieve different levels of success and what it took for me to get there, the things that people didn't see often have people often tell me, they see the things on TV and they kind of think that you got there easily, but they don't see the work that it took to get there. And they don't see the struggle that took place behind closed doors. And I'm the definition of struggle made to the fullest, just my story growing up and all the obstacles I faced um a lot of heartaches a lot of pain but i didn't let that stop me from getting to where i wanted to be and i always had a goal a lot of people say you're a product of your environment which is true but at the same time i grew up in basically hell but and i always saw past that so while people i grew up with they didn't have any goals for their life they didn't know Whether they would make it to C21, I always had goals. I always had plans to be successful. I've always seen past my situation. So I never let that stop me. And the people that tried to stop me on my journey, I never let them get me. I always blocked out the noise. And that's pretty much what drove me, just the things that I seen growing up, whenever I wanted to quit. I just would think and go back to where I came from, and I would think, "Do you want to go back to that? Is that the life you want to go back to? Because if you quit, that's the only option." So I would always find a way to dig deeper and find ways to motivate myself. And I feel I truly feel like to be to be successful in life, you have to have a reason. Your why has to be worth fighting for. It has to be bigger than you because success doesn't come easy. It's it's tough. It, it looks easy when people get it, but it, it's, it's tough. It's not only tough to get there. It's tougher than anything to sustain. So, and there's going to be plenty of times when you feel like quitting. You don't feel like waking up early and putting in that extra work. But it's just... <clears throat> Between you and you, that you and that person in the mirror, do you wanna go back to the lifestyle that you were living before? Or do you wanna keep going and breaking records, motive, motivating people, impacting lives? And that's something I had to bat- battle with once I started reaching different levels of success. I started kind of getting complacent, things of that nature. And it ultimately cost me my career in the NFL. And in the book, I talk about. That and the depression I was facing after not playing football because for so long football was my life. And mm-hmm. I, after that, I was going through a time of self discovery. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't take advantage of things in school like I should have, then make connections and plan out my future because everything that I I was going to plan out in the future. Football was number one, and it would just revolve around that. Every plan I had, with football would be first, and it would lead me into the the next path of my life. So once football didn't work out, I didn't know what to do. So I kind of went through a little roller coaster ride. It's a, it's definitely an interesting story, though the, the mm-hmm. ups and the downs of my life. All when you see me going. Down the wrong path after not playing football and just finding purpose. I, everybody that's read the book so far, I've had people reach out to me telling me that they were crying and some, telling me they were laughing. Like the book is everything tied up in the one. You're gonna laugh, you're gonna cry, and you're gonna leave motivated. But that's that's my story. It's a lot, it's a lot mm-hmm. to take in, but Once you get through that last chapter and put it all together, all you'll be left saying is, wow. And you really have no more excuses because after seeing all those things, I had so many reasons early on I could have quit, so many reasons after football I could have quit. And oftentimes I was right on the edge of quitting. But I found something. Within me, that just wouldn't allow me to quit. And but I don't want to say too much about it, book it's it's something yeah. y'all have to read and y'all give y'all input. But I know y'all love it. yep
3: yeah,
1: I, I know I would, cause I'm all about that inspiration and also coming from you know you went through rough times early on in your age and you know how hard you worked your ass off to get where you were, and then you know you go through college, you go through football, and you go to and you get a chance at NFL, and then. You know, if that's not where you're headed, where your future is, and you kind of come back and you're like, dang, there's stuff that I might have missed out on, like you said, with opportunities back in school. Uh, And I think it's pretty it's cool for me to see a guy that went through and played ball uh, and come back and, you know, be able to do what you're doing now, release a book uh, and also do stuff on the side, what you're doing with going and doing speeches uh, to high schools and everywhere and be able to motivate kids that really need it and you know you have that experience since you were younger to really talk to them uh, and motivate them because a lot of guys you know they're working for that scholarship and then being in high school and uh, they want to be able to provide for their family and sometimes it doesn't always work that way And you know you got to find out a different way or path to to get and become successful in another way in order to help provide for the family so I think it's I think it's a pretty uh, inspirational thing i definitely think where where can we find the book exactly
0: you can find the book on amazon right now it's called trials to triumph
1: okay trials to triumph yes and tell tell us your twitter too so then people can go to that also
0: my twitter and my instagram they're both struggle made 105 and, and i remember Together, no spaces
1: Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I I know me and Dustin and Austin are definitely gonna get our hands on it because, like I said, if I'm ever traveling anywhere, I need something good to read. And definitely, Freddie. Definitely to get a chance from me. Um, yeah, and
2: I I actually just bought my copy. So, Freddie, I'm gonna need you to sign it one day.
0: <laughs> okay, I got. I definitely got. It.
1: <laughs> perfect. Well, speaking of a little bit well, also, of you know, in the running backs department here, Florida State and, you know, Freddie's going to be here with us to discuss a lot of this is David Johnson finally has been hired as Florida State's uh, running backs coach. We say finally because we've kind of had speculation of this for a couple of weeks now. Uh, it's just that Tennessee most recently finished up their bowl game and came away with a win and he was for uh, the volunteer's wide receiver coach uh, in 2017 or 2018 and in this past season moved to the running backs coach uh, and he's officially been hired that fills out the rest of Mike Norvell's staff Dustin how you feeling about it it's finally over Mike Norvell has his field staff it feels like it happened so quickly
2: yeah what do you mean it's finally over it took less than pretty much oh, a little a bit, bit of a sarcasm there's a little
1: bit of sarcasm there <laughs>
2: But, yeah, it pretty much took less than a month for him to get his full staff in place. Um, you already see the strength and conditioning coach in place. A lot of the administration and also analysts and such are, are coming in. So, yeah, Mike Norvell, he's really he's hit the ground running at Florida State. We talked about how great he did in the early signing period and landing some transfers, keeping Tamori Terry and Marvin Wilson and now having the full staff in place. So really just Killing it from all angles to start off his tenure at Florida State.
0: Yeah, um, I've been watching. He, he got me. He got me excited. Huh? Novell ain't wasting any time at all. He, I'm. I mean, I don't know. He kind of got me lost for words. beyond I, I, really <laughs> like <the hype> <laughs> I don't really like coaches. I don't really like to hype coaches <laughs> up, but I've kind of been a fan of his since I saw that opening press conference. Just the passion he came with. And his uh, his approach, and then his emphasis on discipline. I think he's exactly what we needed at this time for what we're going through and where we want to go. I think that's exactly what we needed. And just from what he's doing in the recruitment trail and the staff he's been able to put together, he, Novell ain't playing any games. So of yeah. course we have to do it. Of course we have to put it together on the field. But I think we're starting off in the right direction. Yeah,
3: he really got the business putting that staff together. I feel like at this point with Taggart, we had just hired Barnett, and the staff was just starting to come together, and it's completely done, and it's January 5th. Um, the staff looks good. Um, I'm really happy with it. I know we're going to get to it here, but the staff mm-hmm. looks good.
1: It looks solid. And one thing about minor rail being able to do this this quickly, too, you also got to throw in you- – and just at David Johnson, too, uh, Mike Norvell, obviously, uh, both of them have had connections with coaching. They've coached together at Memphis, but it also shows a whole line of other guys that have coached with Mike Norvell and how quickly they are saying bye-bye to SEC jobs to come over to Tallahassee. In, in and at a program right now that is struggling, that is trying to find its way back in a lot of ways, but find its way back to just getting wins and, and getting just one win against a rival throughout the season, but how influential this whole process has been with Mike Norvell and the relationships he's had with past guys that he's had on his staff. And they're so instant to saying, yes, I will be in Tallahassee. I'll come coach for you. I want to be under you. Even guys that have position, who who had position uh, group duties uh, that were coaching are now coming in as analysts and how, just how big of a factor that is. You know, Mike Norvell uh, just shows how much, these people want to, or these coaches want to come be under him.
2: Yeah, I mean, he was really taking people from from all types of places. Obviously, you had a couple guys come over from the SEC, but you also had he took John Papuchas from Maryland from uh, the Big Tw- or the Big Ten, and then he also took Chris Thompson from TCU, the Big Twelve. So, just really reaching everywhere to find his assistant coaches. Alex Atkins come over comes over from Charlotte. A couple guys come with him from Memphis, but. This is a, a very diverse staff from all across the country that he's put together.
1: Out of this group, guys, who excites you the most? Obviously, offensive coordinator and slash QB coach Kenny Dillingham is your your O guy, and then defensively, Adam Fuller is there. And then there's a whole list of guys. But who, so far, you know, you keep Odell Hagins, you keep Ron Dugans, your two former Knoll greats. But out of that whole group that Mike Norvell has hired. Which one maybe excites you the most coming to Florida State next season? Um, um
0: just, uh, oh, go ahead. I I saw I can only speak on um, what I've seen. A lot of the coaches on I don't really know to be honest, but this morning I came across a Twitter video of David Johnson speaking to his guys at Tennessee and they kind of it's kind of been trending on Twitter. A lot of Nose fans been retweeting it. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a, a video of our linebackers coach and him speaking at a conference about how he coaches his linebackers up instead of having them take reads, though. He has them as soon as the ball is snapped, just start and buzz their feet so they can read and react. But the way they he was detailed in his response was very intriguing to me. He kind of got me fired up, but out of those two guys right now, it's it's kind of a tie between those two, 1A, 1B, but we'll see.
1: Uh, for me, I'm going to go kind of in your same route there, Fred. I'm <coughs> going Chris Marv, too, that just came from Mississippi State. Uh, from what I've heard and done research on, he is highly talked about uh, as an up-and-coming coach. He's young, only 30 years old. Uh, he was definitely uh, highly respected from Mississippi State. But like you just said, I watched that video too, and that also gives me some excitement just how technical he was and how well I think it will be for this linebacker corp because I didn't ever see – I don't know about you, Freddie, but I haven't seen them doing what he was talking about, what he was demonstrating at Florida State in a couple years at least. Um, And I think think that corp as a whole needs to be improved. One guy that I think which I'm – because it's such a big position that needs to be fixed very soon for in order for Florida State to be successful. One that I'm curious to see how it works out because he's also young and up and coming, and obviously there's a lot of respect. He's coming from Charlotte to Florida State as offensive lineman Alex Atkins. I want to see how he develops these offensive linemen being a younger guy. Uh, it's interesting because Florida State's biggest positions that needs to be worked on and and fixed is the offensive line group and linebackers and you're mm-hmm. looking at two younger guys you two younger men that are coaching the, these players up it's going to be very interesting to me to watch Alex Atkins coach this offensive line that needs improvement
2: badly yeah and that was actually who I was going to pick <laughs> um Alex Atkins coming out of Charlotte he's been very impressive at the at the lower levels now he gets a shot at, at Florida State to rebuild an offensive line that hasn't really played great in what feels like five years or so. So it's going to be interesting to see what he can do. I know he has some relationships with some high-profile offensive linemen in Georgia, Louisiana, North Carolina. So he does a really great job recruiting and can't wait to see what he brings to Tallahassee.
3: And the good thing with Atkins is he has Chris Thompson at tight ends to help him out. Uh, And he's Mm -hmm. got that experience from TCU yeah, um, I was going to choose Chris Marv as the one I was excited most for, but since both Freddie and Logan took him,
2: uh, <laughs>
3: I'll take I'll take Kenny Dillingham um, to ha- have a guy come over from Auburn, but still be in the same position and being so young. he's He's got to have a great offensive mind. And um, I know Norvell still calls the plays, but I'm really excited about what Dillingham can bring to that whole offensive offensive room and the quarterback room itself.
2: Yeah, Dill- Dillingham's a good one. I don't know if you got a chance to read Richard's article on Mike Norvell's offense that we put out mm-hmm. on the site today, but um, he talked about how Kenny Dillingham will be in the box, overlooking the field. And this is just a, a quick quote from Kenny Dillingham. He said, I just communicate what we're seeing. Usually we're on the same page. It's it's my job just to be his eyes in the sky, which has been my role on game day for three years now. There's really no no change for how we operate offensively. So these guys have a very good connection on the field. They know exactly how they want to run this offense. They, they've they done it for years at Memphis, and now they're going to try and do the same thing at Florida State. So we'll see how it works out. But just looking from afar, the cohesive cohesiveness has been there for a while. So I'm thinking it should be a smooth transition as long as the offensive line can start getting it back together.
1: Mm-hmm. And obviously recruiting, we can touch on that too before we get to the end of football stuff. But I also want to talk and ask you, Freddie, you know, we, we saw it through the Willie Taggart era, the undisciplined play that was out there, not only with just stupid mistakes, but also doing things off to the side that would cause and hurt Florida state in multiple games and, and go from a possible win to a loss. Uh, but, you know, Adam Fuller comes in as their defensive coordinator, uh, as your defensive coordinator, and then you know you keep Odell Hagan's, Chris Marvis in your defensive backs coach is D- uh, T.J. Rushing, and your strength uh, or your uh, special teams and defensive end coach John uh, Papacus. I'm terrible at last names and all that kind of stuff. Let's just pass by that. But discipline <laughs> is going to be a huge key for Florida State moving forward. How big does that play for you whenever you are playing during your time at Florida State? How big discipline is, and you know, calling out guys that you're on the field with, and you know, being accountable for things, because I I feel like that's what's hurt to State a lot in the past, and I know you and Nick Moody also talked about it uh, earlier in the season when we had y'all on.
0: Um, yes, yeah, it was, it's definitely crucial, and I don't really think a lot of the guys understood how one play can be the reason you win and lose the game. They, you could tell. Just by the demeanor after mistakes and things, they would kind of be looking to the sidelines sometimes as if they did nothing wrong instead of holding themselves accountable. Because the way we viewed it, if you make the the way we prepared for games when we went there, one mistake can be the reason you lose the game because that's the type of competition we face. You can lose on any Saturday. So, I felt like a lot of the players would come in and feel like, oh, we're Florida State, we'll be all right. But no, that's not the the case. Everybody prepares to beat you. You're everybody's championship game. No matter whether you're up or down, beating Florida State means something to everybody. So you got to come in knowing that and you got to make sure you're tight on everything. And I I think this year we got to be a big emphasis and the players who can't get it done, you won't see them playing much.
1: Yeah. And me and Dustin have also, we talked about it before Austin came here on the podcast, but I've always personally been big on, on discipline. And I, I remember watching back whenever y'all won the national championship, looking at that year and how I, we, we've been told by multiple guys that also won the national championship that year, that how, you know, there was mistakes that were made then like Telvin Smith would come over and tell you what's wrong. And then, you know, you'd be held accountable and then, you know, that would make you as a better player and those would hopefully be fixed. And, and Florida state has been all over the place since Willie Taggart came, even before that though, there's, a, I mean, it's not just Willie Taggart's fault; It's just that it's been, it's gotten worse and it just didn't think like things were changing. And I don't think we've, talk with you Freddie also since Willie Taggart has been let go but uh he was only here for two seasons. do you think he should have been allowed or been able to coach another season in Tallahassee or do you think it was the right move to go ahead and move on from Taggart
0: I would give you two answers like of course you would going in you would say all right he let's give him three years to figure this out in year three that's when we make our decision but to be honest, I don't feel like the team was making any improvement at that point in the season. It, after the NC State game, I thought we were going to t- take that next step, and then it just everything just went downhill, and that Miami game was just horrible. I feel like at that point, you just had to cut ties and just move on from there because yeah, we've seen some of the things that the team could do early on in the season when everything was firing, but we also seen how bad it can look. We've seen a lot of inconsistencies. And then the Miami game, it's like everything just crashed and burned all at one time. And it kind of reminded me of the Florida game the year before when guys couldn't line up, getting a lot of delayed game penalties. Like, everything went wrong that game. And it just – and year two – it's, there's no excuses for that. So I, I believe that was the right time to make the decision. You would hope that he could have got a third year before things, but at that point, yeah, I think that was the right decision to make. I was It, it was just too too far gone at that point, and it wasn't going to get any better.
1: Dalvin Cook today had a very nice game. Austin's pretty happy, right?
3: Yeah, of course, not. I was. I was <laughs> sorry, I was watching that work you know, on my phone, and my, my boss came back as soon as we ended up winning the game. But Dalvin almost didn't have a great game. He had a almost had a fumble, but it ended up being called back, and, and it sort of went on to win the game. But yeah, besides that, he looked great. He looked healthy again, which we hadn't seen in weeks because he'd been dealing with the shoulder injury. Um, when he's healthy, he's so much fun to watch.
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah, he, he scored two touchdowns today and had a total of 130 scrimmage yards. He's going to move on. They beat the Saints 26-20. to 20. They're going to move on and face the 49ers. How do you feel about that 49ers game, Austin?
3: Going to lose by 20. I said that for the Saints game. <laughs> it worked, so I'm sticking to oh, it. Oh,
2: reverse psychology.
1: Got it. <laughs> yeah, just keep saying that. I was about to say, you, you thought they had no chance in this game, didn't you?
3: I, I really thought we were going to get smacked.
1: I felt a little bit more. I, there's just something about the Vikings team this year that I'm feeling pretty positive. Maybe it's just because you know, if there's a fully healthy Dalvin Cook, then things usually go the right way. Um, I, yeah, I we'll mean, see
2: what happens next week. It should be a a really good game, Dalvin Cook against that very good defense that San Francisco boasts. So exciting to see that matchup for sure.
3: Mm-hmm. San Francisco's front seven is gonna. Probably destroy our offensive line. Their front center has been killing teams all season. But we'll see.
1: Yeah. And, Freddie, you know, Dalvin Cook. He, You told us a little bit during uh, when we had you on the first time when we interviewed you. But Dalvin Cook, you know, which probably, you probably know, think you told us is just a different kind of talent and being able to block for him and, and open up holes for him. Was something you got to do on every Saturday, and you thought he was just special from the beginning, right?
0: Yeah, from the that training camp where he got an opportunity to get the ball in his hands, it was a slow process, but things one thing led to another. He finally got his opportunities, and once we saw him in the scrimmage, we knew greatness lied ahead. It was just about him learning the playbook and finally getting out there on the field. But yeah, he he's always had that in. The- it's still that early, and the world's finally getting to see what we already know. I've been telling people for a while, when he's healthy, he's the best back in the league. And they thought it was always, oh, you, you play with him, so it's biased. Uh, <laughs> <let's see.
1: laughs> yeah, you, we'll just all sit down on Sunday, and we'll watch it together. Uh, I, I think he is, by far, if he's fully healthy, there's just, he, there's by far, he was over... I'd take him over McCaffrey any day of the week, and I hope someone will tweet me later after listening to this and we can argue about it because that's all Twitter's used for nowadays. Uh, but, yeah, Dalvin Cook is just a stupid, stupid talent, and he was the best running back in uh, Florida State history, obviously. Um, and I'm trying to think. There was something else that I had in mind to talk about, and now I'm completely stuck on it, and I'm trying to figure it out. I was going to talk about also – um, the Patriots just sadly falling down. You know, you just really hate to see that. <laughs> sadly, that so sad. Uh, I just really hurt my heart seeing them go down. And then also, God, I mean, just almost tears fell down my face when I saw Tom Brady throw that pick six, which could be his last throw ever
2: in Foxborough. That would be so sad to see, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, of course, you're the guy to, to bring that up. I'm sure you're really beat up about it. Yeah. Go Steelers, baby. That's all right. You know what? If that's
1: if if my season was already crappy enough, but you know what? I I was able to feel a little bit better about this 2019 season, seeing (laughs) them go down like that and just Patriots fans just whimper and going down in the wild card too. It's just hilarious. And obviously I don't think he's done playing. I don't know if he'll be in Foxborough or not. I feel like they just keep on hyping this up and out of like nothing, they keep on hyping him up that he's going to be done for the season but that's just that's where he's just going to say all right well I'm coming back. <laughs> I mean he's too competitive and I think he l- likes a lot of the attention too but you just keep on doubting him and doubting him his his ass is going to come back no matter what. <laughs> I mean I don't understand it really right now. I think it's just cuz it's it, it's just click 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 for people. But I think he'll be, you think it where if if Tom Brady doesn't retire but he doesn't play for the Patriots this next season, where does he go?
2: If
3: he's not New England, I don't think he plays. Honestly,
2: think so. What happened to Peyton Manning, though? I, yeah. I mean, I know it's it's that different situations, different. but yeah. What about uh, the what about
1: if
3: when...
2: he
1: joins? What about if he joins Derwin James? And the new yeah, and they and they're opening a new stadium too. In
3: L.A. The yeah, Chargers have
2: talent. There's
3: no there's no denying yeah. that that'd be the best wide receiver core he's had since Randy Moss was there.
2: I don't I know. I saw something on I saw something on Twitter. It was um, him going to the Browns because Josh McDaniels is going to get <laughs> hired as the head coach <laughs> and then they're going to sit Baker behind him for a year. <laughs> uh,
1: it's interesting. I mean, uh plea i really would like him to leave get out of just my afc north but or he's not in my afc north but i'd rather go to somewhere that i don't have to deal with them as much until it's like deep into the playoffs uh i don't want to be dealing with him in the afc anymore but because he just he just there's just something about him and being able to dice up our defense and josh mcdaniel's just eat us up alive so i'd rather him just stay far away from the AFC if he does intend leaving New England and not retiring. But I just don't think he's I don't think he's done yet. He's getting too much attention right now. He's gonna use it. <laughs> uh Twitter. I don't Go ahead. I
0: don't really see him going. Like a lot of people are talking about don't don't leave and I, I know Brady's coming back. I just can't see him anywhere other than New England. I know a few years ago Belichick kinda tried to groom Garoppolo and get Brady out of there, but I think they may try to do the same thing in the future. I I can't see Brady in another jersey, And and I believe it's guys behind the scenes that are the same way. They don't want to let him go just because he's done so much for the organization, and once you're used to winning, you don't really want to go through those growing pains of starting over, so I believe they'll try to get another one out of Brady before they part ways, and they'll try to groom another guy. And then once that guy's ready, is alright, Brady. Even if you want to stay another year, you can't. You can't stand anymore. This guy's ready. You got to go.
2: <laughs> yeah, and one thing Tom Brady has always said is he wanted to play till he was forty-five. And right now he's forty-three. So, in the best interest of New England, and just for what Tom Brady's done for them, and he's still playing at a high level. Their offense just kind of fell apart this year. They didn't have the skill players to take it all away with what Brady still has left in the tank. But I think New England could sign him for two years, maybe draft his successor in the draft this season, have have uh, Brady groom him for the next two years, and then Brady retires at 45 and the new guy takes over. But yeah. it doesn't always happen that perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't. Let's get to some questions
1: here from Twitter that we just got. Uh, always thank you guys for chiming in a little bit and giving us some content to talk about because Dustin and Austin don't help me with getting any content in our notes, so I got to do it all on my own. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh,
2: let's
1: see. Uh, let's see. This is from MD Lewis 6560. Do you foresee an offensive line with Norvell that would create gaps for the running back? Explain, and I think that's coming from Mama Lewis. Actually, i am <laughs> correct? <laughs> I think that's coming from Dustin yeah, Mama. Is, so we better you is. put that one right at the top. Good, good, good job. We got to answer that one most certainly. Just, so it, it, it
2: ended up there. I didn't mean to put it there.
1: <laughs> oh no! Make sure you answer that one, Dustin. Please.
2: Well, I mean, we can all chime in, but I was just going to say <laughs> it. All it all just it kind of just depends. I mean, the, the guys that are coming back to Fort they are going to have to continue being developed and. That's where Alex Atkins and the new strength and conditioning program is going to come in, and then Atkins is also going to have to bring in some more guys on the recruiting trail. Obviously, you have the grad transfer and Devonte Taylor coming in, and some some good guys coming back. Dante Lucas, hopefully, he can get back to full health. Um, Andrew Andrew Baselli at center, I think next year, and there's some there's some experience on that offensive line. They just they just have to pull it all together. I feel like after the last couple of years. It's not – there's there's some talented guys there, but at this point their confidence is just so beaten down.
1: Yeah, the, and also, like we talked about uh, with Alex Atkins. Oh, I think it might be echoing. There it goes. It's gone now. Uh, also with Alex Atkins, uh, I think it's going to be a huge – that's why I'm so curious to see how he coaches with – you know, he's young – he doesn't have a ton of experience, but how he's going to be able to talk with these guys because we were hearing stuff about how Clements was coaching and he seems like a little bit kind of more laid back than what you, I guess you could say with maybe Greg Frey and how Rick Trickett was. How Coach Atkins is able to get these guys that do have some possibility and some potential to be able to open holes. It's just just giving the quarterback just a little bit of time to read is huge because obviously you're going to have playmakers coming this next season that are have just high potential like Tamarion Terry, that is going to make plays. Keyshawn Helton and of course a, a stacked wide receiver group that's coming in the class. Brandon Robinson, um, and then also looking or Brian Robinson, and then also looking at hopefully Malachi Wideman just being able to give blocking so then the quarterback can make his reads and get the ball out there is going to be uh, key. And I'm interested to see how Alex Atkins coaches that offensive line. Uh, let's see. The next one here is from Rocket Rocketboy666. Asks, who's most likely to start a quarterback next season? Blackman, a grad transfer, or one of the freshmen that have just came into the new class? What do you guys think? Who's most likely to start a quarterback next season?
0: So I on, uh... go one of the freshmen.
1: Mm, okay, bold take, bold take. Which one you which one are you gonna pick out of those two?
0: Oh uh, oh I ain't...
1: Roadmaker or Chubba Purdy.
0: Um uh, just I'm gonna go out on the limb and say Roadmaker. Oh,
2: I like okay. that. I like that pick. I I mentioned him last podcast. I feel like he has more of a chance possibly than Purdy because uh, Roadmaker will actually be here tomorrow when when school starts for the semester. He'll be on campus, be able to go through all the spring practice, spring game, whereas Purdy won't be here until July, August. So that's actually a really good pick.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure who I'm going to go with. Um, Because we still don't know what Blackman's going to do. Is he going to transfer? Is he going to stick on the roster? If that happens, then you – Likely to bring in a grad transfer. Um, I think I'm going to stick with Blackman for now, but that's subject to change.
1: This one's hard for me. I'm if it's going to be grad transfer, uh, then that uh, this is where I'm. It's it's a tough question. It was a good it was a good question. Uh, so I'm just going to pass on this. I'm just kidding. I'm going to go if it's going to be grad transfer, then it will be Brady White. Uh, coming from Memphis, I was already with Coach Norvell. I'm going to go with a freshman, and I'm going to go a different pick, and I'm going to go Purdy for this one. And I think Norvell wanted him very, very badly. Uh, They did it in just a week. And I think he's going to come in hungry and be ready to play, and I do think Coach Norvell is going to be giving him some things to study during this next semester while he's at home, and he's not going to be early enrolling like Tate Roadmaker is, like Dustin said, he'll be on campus tomorrow in the start of the spring semester. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Let's go to a question from KRIV Jr. (laughs) Getting, uh, let's see, offensive line grad transfer recruiting. Dustin, this might be your neck of the woods with your follow for follow segment that is out there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, obviously you landed... Devontae Taylor from FIU and then other than that it's it's just kind of slow right now um from what I've heard they talked they've talked to the two Stanford guys but they haven't really went after them that hard and and then what we heard um yesterday Logan was they hadn't the staff hadn't talked to TJ Stormont in about a week or so and he was a guy that I I thought was the the most likely option from the beginning for Florida state to land as a grad transfer. And now it sounds like they won't be. Then there's also the, the offensive guard Terrence Davis from, from Maryland, not hearing much out of that corner. So yeah, I'm guessing Florida state, they have some kind of secret plan on the offensive line. Maybe there's a couple high school guys that they'd rather focus on rather than grad transfer guys. And, um, at this point, it's just really a developing situation. We're just going to wait and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Offensive
1: line, obviously, I think we've talked about it enough on here tonight, but offensive line is, is huge for Florida You and to The thing now is that you want to bring in guys that have experience, uh, and Alex Atkins and that whole entire assistance around him and analysts are going to have to focus a lot on this, and I, I'm sure it's starting very early on. Uh, Big Knowles50 asks, can this staff recruit South Florida or did we mess up by not hiring a South Florida connection? Uh, this is kind of a just it's an interesting question. What do you, does anybody, I don't know, I mean, this is a question that I guess you would have to know who, <laughs> Dustin, do, do you think you have any kind of answer to that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I know this has kind of been a thing that's been going around on Twitter now. People saying Florida State screwed up. They don't have any coaches that can uh, recruit South Florida. And it's, I mean, it's just kind of nonsense in my opinion. Adam Fuller has plenty of ties to Florida. And I feel like at Florida State, his profile should only increase on the recruiting trail. David Johnson has ties to Florida and across really the, the whole Southeast over to Louisiana. Alex Atkins, I believe he has some ties to the Florida-Georgia area. You have Ron Dugans, who's one of the best South Florida recruiters in the country. Odell Haggins, name, speak name speaks for itself. He can go pull talent out of South Florida. So um, I'm also confident Chris Marv can as well. He's, he's a really rising guy out of the SEC. Wouldn't surprise me if he has some Florida connections as well. So really, this, there's a lot of guys on the staff that I think have the potential to be elite recruiters in South Florida. Some guys already have connections there. And it's just kind of nonsense, and you're not really looking deeper at the situation if you're saying things like that, just because Telly Lockett wasn't retained.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I agree. I um I don't really understand where that's coming from. And then even with that, the brand, the Florida State brand, they, they acting like we're a school from up north, like guys from <laughs> South Florida want to come to Florida. State. Yeah, what? it's not like they they're Guys from South Florida, it's not like they're waking up every morning saying, "I want to go to Miami." That's not Miami is the team that they used to be. So it's either Florida State or it's Florida when you're thinking for the Florida teams. They're not saying, they're not thinking about Miami anymore. So I don't understand where that nonsense came from. We won't have a problem. We won't have a problem going down there stealing their guys. Mm-hmm.
1: And put a little a couple more wins on that in a season, you're gonna be just fine. Put that Florida State logo on the coach's polo and walk into the room, it just kinda hits differently. Um, how'd that how did you know, about we'll end it off too recruiting wise and, and for you, Freddie? How was your yeah, recruiting was sure. process and and you know, what was told to you and you know, that logo did that logo hit a little bit different to you?
0: Um it was kinda it was kinda weird because I didn't really grow up watching a lot of Florida State football. So when they came in, Odell, he went to my high school, so he was trying to kind of sell that thing. We're from the same hometown. But, of course, I went through my whole process. I was le- leaving my personal feelings out of everything and just want to try to make the most informed business decision for my future. But, I mean, they did they did a good job. Once I went there, it felt, it felt like home. and Everything worked out, so oh. I'm glad. I'm glad I came. But yeah, to answer, answer to answer your question, the the process, I I feel like they handled everything the right way. They they really went all out for me. I wasn't really trying to come come to Florida State. I was gonna go out of state and play in Texas. So. They kind of got my mom on board. She was telling them she wasn't even going to sign the paperwork for me to leave the state. So I was kind of at odds, and they kind of (coughs) had the upper edge on me. They had my mom in the battle with them. Like, you're going to have to come to Florida State. I'm not signing the paperwork. So it all worked out for the best.
1: I'm glad you did. You got your ring on that finger. (laughs) Yeah,
0: definitely. I'm glad I did.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I think that's going to do it for our football segment of the week. Uh, And I definitely appreciate Freddie coming on here to talk about his book that he just released. Make sure you guys go check that out. Amazon is where you're going to want to grab it. I know Dustin already grabbed one. I'm on the way of getting one. Austin will also. Uh, But we definitely appreciate Freddie coming on here as always. We're going to try to get you on here on a fourth time during this offseason. We're going to have you on here regularly uh, to talk some Florida State football. Make sure you're going to follow him on Twitter. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on here late tonight, man.
0: I appreciate you all having me.
1: Definitely appreciate Freddie coming on here with us tonight to talk about some football and the quick hitters and answer some questions. But you know how it is. got to get into basketball. Florida State, though, defeats Louisville and Kentucky, the number 7th ranked Cardinals. Florida State goes in and just takes care of business. What was the score? 78-65. to 65. Look at that. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, Florida State had a great game. I enjoyed watching it. It was by far like Austin put out, and his recap that you guys should go definitely check out on noelgandy.com was their best-performing game of the season. looked solid, and that Osborne alley was dirty. Um, and that's pretty much my basketball analysis right there. I'm going <laughs> to give it to the guys right now to uh, recap the Louisville game and get ready for Wake Forest.
3: Yeah, yeah, like, we were... okay. You can go. Uh,
1: <laughs> Look how good oh. they are together. <laughs> we haven't been doing this for like five weeks, but you Let's get
2: it. you you started off. You watched way more of the off. game than me. Yeah, I was I was taken I was... away by a baby shower. Oh, and, that's right. Uh, you had to deal with that. That's it was fun de- stuff it was right depressing. Yeah, it was the last both. two minutes of the game and I get dragged out to take sorry to rant. I, oh. it was the last two minutes of the game, I get dragged out to take photos.
1: Oh. Was it at least a good time?
2: No, we never took the photo. <laughs> <laughs> That was the worst part. <laughs>
1: you know, I was on Facebook, and I saw a picture of you, because I think your mom or someone oh, attacked tagged God. you. Yeah, there was a picture of you, and far off away from people, there you are on your phone looking at it.
2: <laughs> well, everybody's enjoying it. Well, I got to see stage. what this lady's posting now.
1: Yeah, she's got you in the corner with your little Celtics, jer- or, uh, Celtics. hoodie on, and you're on your phone. And I was like, he's most certainly either – watch or doing follow for follows (laughs) or he's watching the basketball game and I'm sure you're watching the basketball game you're near the kitchen all the way in the back and I'm not stalking you
2: I'm looking for these photos now I'm like oh wow I found it
1: yeah paparazzi there you are all the way in the back
2: yeah these are depressing (laughs) at least you weren't wearing your slides this time Dude, that's exactly what my cousin said to me when I got there. He's like, oh, wow, you're going fancy today, huh? Not wearing the slides. <laughs> like, screw you guys. <laughs> Can we talk about basketball? Austin, awesome. go get away from this. Start. Go talk about hoops. Well, like
3: Logan said, and like I said in my uh, three game-changing plays article, um, this was easily Florida State's best performance of the season. The offense was clicking on all, on all cylinders, shooting above 50% from the floor about 40% from three. The defense was locked down, especially in the second half. Um, I saw on Twitter someone said it was very reminiscent of the Murray State game from the tournament last year, and I 100% agree. You had one one player for the opponent go off. In this case, it was Jordan Wara, who went for, I think it was 32 points on 15 shots. Yeah, 32 points on 15 shots and 10 rebounds. Ridiculous. He wasn't missing, but everybody else for Louisville was. Um, outside of Jordan Warren and Stephen Enoch, who is their other player in double figures, the rest of the roster combined for ten of forty one shooting. And that's not going to win many ball games. Even if even if you have one guy going off like Jordan Warren did.
2: Yeah, one thing you talked about on the preview coming into this game was how they had a streaky shooter, Ryan McMahon. and if he got hot, it could change the whole game. Uh, McMahon just went one of just <clears throat> Jesus Christ. He went just one of five from the field, oh of three from deep. And then I brought up Florida State streaky sh- streaky shooter M J Walker. Walker had his best game of the season, maybe the best game of his career. I was to say,
3: arguably his career. Against,
2: yeah, maybe the best game of his career against Louisville. Nine of thirteen from the field, five of seven from deep, twenty three points. And 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 the little bit of the game I did get to watch was the last couple of minutes. I mean, M J was just he was really feeling it. He was pulling up from everywhere and and just knocking it in. I remember one shot. I thought it was a three. I guess he had his foot on the line at, at the end of the shot clock and he just nails it over, over a guy. So he had a really great game. Trent Forrest stepped up. We talked about Trent Forrest and Vassell needing to have big performances in this one. And they both certainly did that. Forrest went 9 of 11, had 20 points, five assists. And then Vassell had 14 points, six rebounds and looked pretty solid as well. So all three of those guys did enough to drive Florida State to this win. And, Outside of a couple different stretches, it felt like Florida State really handled this game.
3: Yeah, and to your point about Walker, he came off the bench for the first time since his freshman season because apparently he hadn't practiced in 10 days. Um, This is the way he plays without practicing for 10 days. Maybe you just need to keep him coming off the bench (laughs) because he was great, and that second unit's been missing his scoring punch. Um, Because when he's in the starting lineup, your best scorer is Patrick Williams, who can score, but he just hasn't done it uh, to this point. Um, like you said, Trent and Devin were amazing. Devin <laughs> put on a lot of league-worthy plays, which a lot of fans won't like hearing, but he he, he showed some real real growth. I uh, put in my Game Changing Plays article. He had uh, one kick out from Raekwon Evans, pump fake to left to get more off, and then just rose up and drained to three. Um, stuff like that's stuff you can't teach. He just has natural instincts, and so does Trent Forrest. Um, they were everywhere. There was one play Forrest had where he got a steal and then in transition just pushes it up on Jordan Wara. Trent was doing whatever he wanted; he was getting wherever he wanted. Um, yeah, this was by far the best performance of the season. There's no doubt about it.
2: Yeah, that's a. I saw your tweet actually, where there was ten NBA teams or however many scouts at the game yesterday. Miami Heat had three seats. Or yep. Yeah, so some they're obviously looking at some guys from Louisville war in that discussion, but we've heard some things about a couple of Florida state players that are potentially getting looked at by NBA teams this upcoming season. But a guy, a guy we talked about a guy we wanted to kind of step up a little bit after his non-conference play was Trent Forrest. And he did that against Louisville. He showed that he's fully healthy, which is something he's kind of struggled with over the last couple of years, particularly later in the season. He looked explosive out there, like you said Austin getting wherever he wanted attacking on defense attacking on offense and really just had a great game I'd say all around this was also Trent's best game of the season and I'm looking forward to seeing if he can continue this stretch as we continue to go through this ACC slate there's some tough games coming up and Trent's going to continue to have to be the heart and soul of his team on both ends
3: another guy I want to give a special shout out to we've been talking about him uh Throughout the non-conference plays, Raquan Evans, he had yep. his best game of the season. In only eight minutes, he had seven points, and he, had, he was dogging Ryan McMahon on defense. Um, there was one player where he just he, he locked him up 94 feet and the ball went out of bounds, and it was our ball. And look on Raquan Evans' face, you could see he was confident. He was healthy. Um, if we can start giving him some more minutes so Forrest can get some rest in these big-time ACC games, that's going to be huge, especially going into the ACC and NCAA tournament. Um, but one of those opponents that won't be so tough is Wednesday's matchup against Wake Forest. Um, they are coming in at 8-5, and five, and they just beat Pitt on the road, which is something we couldn't do, so maybe we'll be oh. in for a little tougher matchup, but uh, I don't think so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just speaking to your point on Raquan Evans, though, uh, at one point in that first half, uh, late in the first half, Louisville was cutting the deficit a little bit, and Evans hit a big corner three to push that lead back out to seven before the break, which really gave Florida State some momentum going into halftime after a crucial defensive stand at the buzzer.
3: Yeah, every time Louisville got close, like every time they got within just a possession or two, Florida State would go on a 6-0, 8-0 run to push it away again. Uh, in the second half, they got it to four, and then Florida State went on like a 15-6 run after that. And that kind of those kind of stretches, basketball is always a game of runs. But those kind of stretches against teams like Louisville, that really speaks to what this team can do later on in the season and into March.
2: Yeah, and that was something that was something we questioned up and up until this point. Their their offensive prowess, and they showed that when they're completely locked in and guys are playing like they should, they they can be extremely effective.
3: Yeah, if the shooting keeps up like this, which it won't. It no one's ever <laughs> going to shoot. 55 percent from the field and 48 percent from three every single game
2: but if and they, they took just five free throws sorry to interrupt five free throws that's it yeah, all day and
3: free throws is usually their offensive execution if they can get to the free throw line a lot they feel good about their game but if they can stay around 45 percent or maybe 48 percent field goal 36 percent three they're going to win a lot of ball games especially as many turnovers as they create um yeah, if that, if that shooting prowess keeps up, they're going to be almost impossible to
2: beat. Yeah, if MJ, if MJ Walker has a couple more games like that this season, I think we'll be pretty pretty happy about where this ball club ends up. But, Austin, like you said, moving over to Wake Forest, who's coming into Tallahassee later this week, trying to pull up the schedule because I don't know the that's exact actually in, That's actually in
3: Winston-Salem on Wednesday oh,
2: at 7.30 actually, on Fox. <laughs> All right, actually FSU is going to Wake Forest 7:30 p.m. on Wednesday. Mm, I haven't I haven't really watched a lot of Wake Forest this season. I'm going to be honest with you, but You you're not missing much. Yeah, um, everything everything we've talked about from other podcast episodes to off the air and stuff. This is a very mediocre ball club that probably won't have the talent to keep up with Florida State, but on the road on the road, FSU is always an interesting team. You never really, you never really know what you're going to get. Sometimes you get that performance where you see them at pit and lose a game like that, and then sometimes you get what we saw yesterday, and they dominate a top ten team on the road. So, just yeah. hoping they pull a good game out of, out of the bag on Wednesday.
3: Especially coming off of that game, how are they going to react to beating such a great team on the road? Are they going to mm-hmm. come out on the same note? sparks on, or firing on all cylinders or they come come out a little flat saying, oh, it's Wake Forest. We're better than this team. Um, it's going to be a real growing opportunity as last game was. Uh, Wake Forest is led in scoring by Brandon Childress and Sean D. Brown. Both those guys are going to give you buckets from anywhere. They've been doing it for three years now and uh, four for Brandon Childress. And they've got a uh, junior Olivier Sarr out of France who's also averaging double digits. And after that, it's a whole lot of nothing. As long <laughs> as you can keep Childress and Brown and check. Florida State really shouldn't have many problems with this game.
2: Yeah, and a um, couple, like you said, a couple veteran players at the top of that rotation. They actually do have six players playing over 20 minutes a game. So they have a pretty deep rotation. couple guys, eight, eight guys playing over 14.4 minutes per game. So we will see them match Florida State's depth. They just won't be able to match the talent of it.
3: Or the length. Their point guard is well, yeah, the length. They have, they have a center that's seven foot, but after that, the next tallest guy is 6'9". Um, I, I don't think they'll be able to keep up the length or the athleticism. They're allowing a ton of points, almost 72 points per game, which is almost bottom 100 in the country. Um, they're turning it over a lot. They're not forcing a lot of turnovers. It, it's, a, it's a bad matchup for Wake Forest, and I'd, I would expect Florida State to win it fairly
2: handily for a road game. Yeah. The really the the only trouble I got see in this matchup is down low with Olivier Sar, twelve point five points, nine point three rebounds a game. I mean he's a solid <clears throat> a solid experience big. Um, Austin, I remember you said you weren't really sure how Malik Osborne would work out as that smaller center. And he I mean he spent a lot of time there yesterday. He played twenty nine minutes to 6 seven and Balsa Kopravica didn't play. So what did you think about Osborne yesterday and his performance against Enoch? And do you think he can continue to be a a small five as FSU moves through this ACC schedule?
3: Yeah, I said in a few of my preseason preview articles that I would love smaller lineups of Trent, Devin, MJ, Patrick Williams, and Malik Osborne. Because I just feel like they could fly around the court defensively. The offensive spacing would be great. And Malik showed that yesterday. He was spacing the floor. He was energetic. He was blocking shots. Uh, the gimme that shit was heard <laughs> around the world on TV. And that's that's just who Malik is. His energy is contagious. Um, I really think, especially with Balsa out for, we're expecting at least a few weeks. Um, Hamilton, Coach Hamilton just said a while. So who knows what that means with him. <laughs> um, but yeah, Malik's, Malik's just a hell of a player. He really is. He can play the four or the five, and he's going to be playing a lot of the five, um, especially against Virginia. Um, maybe not so much against Wake Forest since is seven foot. But once he's out of the game, yeah, I absolutely expect Osborne to go back to the five, and he's going to have to for these next few weeks until Boss is healthy again. Um, Malik's just awesome. He's such a great player. I'm so I'm so happy he's thriving in the system and he's having fun while doing it.
2: Yeah, and they credited him. ESPN credited him with just one block yesterday, and I swear he had two or three. I remember mm-hmm. Malik, and they've done this to us a couple times. It feels like.
3: Yeah, I think Malik <laughs> only had one. I felt like Patrick had seven. Um, now only finished with six as a team. Uh, Raekwon Gray had a nice uh, block layup early in the game, and MJ Walker had one. So yeah, I think th- Malik may have had two, but I know for sure he had one.
2: Hmm. So yeah, just moving quickly over to Wake Forest. Um, I don't think this is a team that's really gonna light up the scoreboard offensively as a team. They're shooting just forty-two point seven percent from the field, thirty-four point eight percent from deep. So really, as long as Florida State goes in here focused, not not riding too high emotionally after this after this big win over Louisville, and just focusing on the task at hand, they should be able to hand handle this one pretty comfortably.
3: Yeah, I agree. Um, If you're going to give predictions, I'd say FSU wins by about 10 to 12 points. Um, That may seem a little high for an ACC road game, but we just saw it with Louisville. And like Dustin said, as long as you come in focus, this really shouldn't be much of a ball game. Um, If we were to go actual scores, I would say Florida State 72, Wake Forest 61.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I'm feeling feeling some in that range. I think... I think maybe the first 10 12 minutes we'll see Florida State playing a little bit a little bit slower than they should just getting back into the groove of things after dominating Louisville just a couple a couple days prior to this game and once they once they get focused up after that they'll handle it pretty comfortably and wind up winning probably by 12 to 16. so like you said Austin, some like 75 to 63 in that in that range.
3: And to your point about starting slow, we saw that last year at Wake Forest. We had just come off the very emotional senior night game against Virginia Tech. that went to overtime. And then next game's at Wake Forest, and Wake Forest comes out, and they're up 12-2 to 2 or 15-2 to 2 or something like that. And Florida State battles back and still ends up winning comfortably. So, yeah, as long as they come out focused, I think they'll be all right.
2: So, Logan, do you want to move us over to the basketball questions?
1: I will have to say that nap was really good. I enjoyed it, guys. And I feel better, and I feel juice. And I'm energized more than I ever have been on this podcast.
3: Well, I'm glad.
1: Yep, and it looks like Austin got a lot of questions on Twitter because at least five here that we can answer, uh, and we always appreciate you guys reaching out. TJ Pittinger, I know this man really good. I think I know him a little bit. <laughs> uh, he <laughs> asked, "Think we will be early? We will be the early game or the late game in Atlanta?" trying to plan my flight correctly. So he's talking about the final four, and if they're going to be the early game or the late game in Atlanta. Uh, (laughs) What you got, Austin? Um,
3: Well, obviously it's a little bit too early to predict uh, when or, heck, what bracket we'll be in. We could be in any region. But since we keep getting put in the West region, I'll say we keep staying in the West region, and usually the West region gets the late game. So, TJ? TJ? Plan your flight for the late game, and if I'm wrong, don't blame me.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, it's definitely going to be a late game. I mean, you know they want Florida State on the national stage, so yeah, late game it is.
1: Perfect. I already thinking ahead to the final four, the TJ way. All right, Top of the World asks, any glaring weakness you see that could be exposed as we get into the heart of the ACC stretch?
3: There's two things that really concern me with this team. One of them is rebounding, and we saw that against Louisville. Louisville dominated Florida State on the glass, but because Florida State was so efficient shooting the ball, they're forcing turnovers, they were able to overcome that. Against a team like Duke, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to get some of those rebounds. And then the other one is it's going to be shooting those jump shots. Again, they're making those against Louisville. Can they consistently make those throughout the stretch of ACC conference play? And you play Virginia twice, Virginia forces you to take those jump shots because that's the only open looks they give in that pack line defense. So uh, you really jump shooting and rebounding are the two weaknesses that really, really concern me.
2: Yeah, I mean, Austin, Austin pretty much hit the nail on the head with that. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say, rebounding and also outside shooting. Florida eight to this point of the season, they're shooting just 34.5% from outside, I don't know if that's going to be a good enough percentage for them to advance far into to the tournament and the conference tournament as well. Yesterday, 11 out of 23 from outside, 47.8%. I feel like you're going to need to be in that in that 40 to I guess, I mean I guess 48% mark um consistently to be a deadly offensive team and one that's capable of Defeating elite teams late in March when it matters. You're gonna have to be able to hit those shots.
3: And don't look at the stats because the stats are lying. Because again, Florida, we were five of seventeen from three and Tennessee, three of eleven, and Purdue, one of seventeen. So we've right. shown we can beat teams without hitting those jump shots, but it's definitely a lot easier when you are hitting them.
2: It makes it, it makes you feel more comfortable when they're able to score a little bit and you don't have to just pretty much rely on the defense. Right. It's it's nice being able to hit those outside shots and four to eight they're going to have to be able to do that consistently and they did it yesterday and they're going to need MJ Walker to not not play out of the play out of his mind like he did yesterday but at least play a little bit better than what we saw in the early stretches of his senior season well junior season AMP
1: 9 K asks is Raquan Gray hurt or is he just not good at AC just not a good ACC player yet. Being asked to do too much, maybe question mark.
3: Uh, it's it's really weird with Raquan Gray because I know a lot of people see oh big fat six eight guy why is he dribbling, um, but that's just his play style. He's a point forward. That's how he wants to play. That's how co- that's how Coach Hamilton wants him to play. Um, he was great at it last year in the tournament. This year hasn't been the same for whatever reason. I don't think he's dealing with injuries. I haven't heard of anything otherwise saying he has any nagging injuries. I know last year he had a knee bruise, but it went away pretty quickly. Um, I think with him, it's just all confidence right now. His confidence is shot. He's trying to play through it. Um, And we saw that with MJ Walker last season where he went through a really rough stretch. So hopefully he'll be able to bounce back out of it because we really need him to step up against the Dukes and the Virginias of the world. Um, but we'll see. Uh, obviously, I'm a little concerned, but I, I don't think it's him being hurt. And I, I think it's just more confidence than anything.
2: Yeah, I really like Raekwon. like his skill set. Um, I love what he brings to the team. I just think to this point, he's been struggling fitting in with the rest of his roster. Um, he's struggling uh, to, to build chemistry with these guys, especially him and, him and Malik Osborne sharing the court. Both of them are, are guys that like to shoot the three, like to be on the outside a little bit. So I just I think just I think things just get mixed up a little bit with with Ray Kron there. But if they can figure out the rotations, that's something Hamilton's still working on, which we talked about last podcast. But just figuring out these rotations and as you move deeper into the season, I think you'll see Ray Kron acclimate to everything a little bit better. I mean, he just scored double figures in back-to-back games last month. The potential, the talent is definitely there. He's a hard-working guy, and I think he's going to be able to figure it out in the end. Jeremiah, and then a lot of
1: numbers, asks, it seemed like we had a better matchup against Louisville because they were really not interested in intercepting our perimeter passes. I thought we could have turned the ball over several times versus an aggressive defense. Is that a concern?
3: Yes and no. Um, Louisville's defense is very Virginia-like in that they just don't want to let you score inside. They don't want to take chances like Florida State does. But Florida State, that's how Florida State gets points. They get transition buckets off those steals and loose balls. Um, I I don't know if it's much of a concern. Florida State did turn it over 13 times yesterday, but they've turned it over 13 times a lot this season. Uh, Seven or eight times, as a matter of fact. So it, I don't know if it's really that much of a concern. Florida State's going to turn it over no matter who they're playing. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I don't think so.
2: Yeah, I thought I thought FSU's offense this season at times, we've seen them go into those lulls where they don't complete the easy plays. Uh, they'll drop a pass out of bounds, or they'll just have a, a stupid turnover. But in the, the big games is where you've really seen this team – And it may just because – maybe because they have so many newcomers. I think the number is eight. Austin, correct me if I'm wrong. Eight newcomers. Six. Well, six newcomers this year. Um, Osborne redshirt last year didn't play much. So a lot of new guys in the rotation. But they've had some some lulls, some moments where they don't look great on offense. But they go into these big games, the games against Florida, against Louisville – and even, I mean, even though they turned the ball over 13 times, they did a great job moving it yesterday and getting whatever they wanted offensively. So, I think when they go against a great defense like this, it makes them focus up even more and just play even better.
3: Yeah, and to J- Jeremiah's point about an aggressive defense, as long as those turnovers don't create live ball situations where they're getting transition buckets, I'm not saying it's okay, but it's certainly more preferable. And that's what almost all these turnovers were against Louisville. They're all just regular dead regular dead ball turnovers. Um, will we see it more of as an aggressive defense? Maybe. Um, but I also think for those games, Florida State's kind of a game plan in place that'll offset that.
1: Our last question here is from our regular listener and big time no supporter uh, Heath from at I'm McCall you <laughs> asks, so yeah so is the Manscaped brand stuff really worth the investment? And this comes from whenever we had, our, had a sponsor, uh, sponsor one of our episodes uh, from the Manscaped company. And that focuses on making sure the men downstairs are nicely shaved and they are and good, uh, I don't know, performance-wise for whenever you're having to interact with a woman. Uh, inside of a bedroom a car maybe even a movie theater i don't know i mean it's getting crazier nowadays out in a park um anyway i want to man, know is does it work or not i don't know why you went to that <laughs> well i'm just trying to let people know what manscaped is i mean not a lot of people maybe maybe they don't know what it is i'm just telling them it's a shaving tool for your balls and uh <laughs> your balls and your penis uh but yeah uh does it work really well (laughs) yes it does work really well uh i tried it one night and that was the barest i've ever looked and i wonder if i was friggin' seven years old again
2: um i'm done with this question bro (laughs) (laughs)
1: i told y'all not to give me enough time with it but this is what y'all did y'all wanted me to answer it so i just
2: i needed a pg answer
1: yes it worked well you're the one talking about pg answers yeah, exactly. We are rated R here. If you're just now new to hear the spear, we haven't cussed yet in this episode, I don't think. But yes, if you from here on out, we're just warning you. This is explicit. We do put explicit on everything, like on all our, all of our platforms, I'll let you know. But this is an explicit podcast. So if you hear some cussing words come out, we won't say it for the rest of this podcast. But just warning you. I know we have a lot of new listeners. We're warning you. There is a lot more cussing and just interesting things that come not a lot of cussing but there are some interesting things that are talked about and <laughs> uh, so yeah just next time if you're listening i wouldn't really play in the car with the kids coming home from school because dustin lewis is here
2: <laughs> i've been polite this episode
1: you have been you have been i'm proud of you been a good boy <laughs> uh let's see here i'll probably also because you know your mom is gonna be listening to this because you answered one of her questions earlier in the podcast
2: it contributes i will i will say (laughs)
1: yep (laughs) all right so let's run right now i think that's the end of the basketball questions let's run right now into our round two of florida state hear the spear trivia this is a trivia segment where we ask a lot of Florida state athletics questions and it's between Dustin and Austin. If they get it right, Austin currently has a one and zero lead from last week. Uh, Dustin is going to try to tie that this week, or he's going to go down zero and two. And you would just hate to see that Uh, Dustin would be very depressed, I think for the rest of the start of the spring semester. And obviously some of these questions are from old, um, things that have happened and we're uh, mainly a young group here I'm still in school, Dustin is too and Austin most recently graduated so uh, we, we also learn quite a bit too whenever we go through the trivia segment so let's see here, are you guys ready for week or round two of Hear the Spear FSC Trivia?
3: As so ready as I'll ever be
2: I'm ready
1: Sounds great Alright guys <laughs> And what, <laughs> what year was the punt ruski? And you have 10 seconds to oh.
3: 10,
0: 9, 8, mm-hmm. 5, 88? 4, 3. 1988.
1: Ding, ding, ding. 1988 was the year of the punt ruski. Good answer there, Austin and Dustin. You are correct on round one of round two of round one. <laughs> What? Anyways, sorry. I'm trying to I'm still learning as a host on a podcast. Just give me a couple weeks here. Uh let's see. Nineteen ninety three. Mm, that's too hard of a question here. Y'all want to know what
2: that is. <laughs> what is it? I wanna let's do it. Yeah, no, right. I'm
1: curious. All right. I'm gonna describe a play because I was not a oh, sure question this, but I'm gonna oh. describe a play and I want you to tell me what happened in it. This oh. went from a Heisman winner to the second. Nah, that's too easy. This went from a Heisman winning quarterback to a certain player against the Gators.
3: Charlie Ward to Ward done for yeah, a touchdown. Yeah, gonna the Ward done screen down the left sideline. There like
1: you go. Yards. Yeah, that's correct. Correct answer. That was just a little fun, fun thing to do there. Uh, let's see. Did you here? say I, that
2: was hard at first?
1: I, well, I was gonna go through a description here that had nothing to do with naming the quarterback and giving you hints, but it is what it is. Sorry. All right. Nineteen. Oh my God! I'm giving the answer away <laughs> before I ask the question.
2: Oh, you're reading the wrong. Well, said, huh? I
1: actually didn't give it away though. And what year was the choke at Doak? You have ten seconds to answer mm-hmm. this, guys. Ten. 9. Dude, I know eight, it's in the 90s.
3: 7.
2: 6. I'll five, say 1994.
3: That's what I was going to guess, 94, because that has to be an even year.
1: 1994 is the correct answer. Wow. Okay. Incredible.
2: That was the year I was born. All right, perfect. I don't think that's, that's true. No wonder they choked that year. <laughs> what is that supposed
1: to mean? It
2: means there's some bitches. So I don't know. I thought <laughs> we
1: said we're not. Never mind. Well, welcome. Just one. Episode. Just one.
2: All right. Just one.
1: Okay. Perfect. Okay.
2: No, it's fine. Austin right. had one earlier, so we have really? had at least two cuss words. In Did this he episode. really? Wow. Austin already cussed. Yeah, he said shit. So now we've had three cuss words in this episode. Oh, great. <laughs> I
3: didn't even remember doing that. <laughs> this
2: is not well. I think out. you said shit. So now we've had four cuss words.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's certainly possible. I'm not yeah. saying I didn't. <laughs>
1: All right, here we go, guys. And the first ACC game between two teams ranked in the top five, Florida State dominated North Carolina twenty to three. The Tar Heels only defeat on the season. What year was this?
2: Ten seconds. Wait, can you repeat the sorry, can you repeat the question? Yeah, you in kind first, of
3: worded it weird.
1: Yeah. And the, uh, the first ACC game between two teams ranked in the top five. This is the first ACC game ever between two teams ranked in the top 5 Florida State dominated North Carolina 20 to 3 the Tar Heels only defeat on the season so they went under they were undefeated before they faced Florida State and they lost what year was this and it's a big game obviously um, 8
2: i'll say 19 to 1997 0
3: I'll say ninety
1: eight. We have a winner. Dustin Lewis is going to tie. Damn we it. back the
3: I was going to say ninety seven, but I wanted to make it different. Damn it!
1: Yes, this game was called the top five matchup in Chapel Hill. This was a big game. What a creative Obviously, name. yes. Copy yeah. me on
2: answer. Are you copy me on. <laughs> <laughs> what? Damn it! You copy me on every answer. How's it feel, Austin? Boom. I cop, oh, okay. wow.
1: Dang. <laughs> what? I'm not sure if that's the case.
2: It's Winner, so winner, funny. chicken dinner. Hey. I was go- I
3: was actually going to say 97, too, but I'm like, I've been saying the same answer as him, even though that's what I knew it was. Yeah.
1: That was. Yeah. That one, I
3: didn't know that one, but <laughs> damn it. We're still. are so mad.
1: That's all right. It's understandable. One to one here between Florida States, Hear the Spear trivia. Yeah. Uh, one day I'll figure out how to really name the trivia because I keep on doing FSU trivia, Hear the Spear trivia, all this kind of stuff. We might just do Hear the Spear trivia. How about that from here on out? Because this is getting really difficult for me. <laughs> I don't think ABC is going to be hiring me anytime soon to do any of their game shows.
3: Yeah, You're no Steve Harvey.
1: No, I'm definitely most certainly not Steve Harvey. Not at all. Um, but yeah, to end off the podcast, we always do a fun fact that the guys have found online. Uh, usually at the last minute that they'll talk about on the air. If you do have children listening or you know younger people listening, I would highly suggest maybe taking some time away because we try to go from sports talk for that we've been talking about for about an hour and 15 minutes to completely flipping it and turning it into something just rudely disgusting. <laughs> it's a, I want to be surprised if most people just turn off the podcast now and they just move on with their lives.
2: Now is when the podcast actually ends, so I advise all of you to <laughs> get off while you still can.
3: <laughs> well, I will keep my fun facts sports related. Since, okay. You know, NFL playoffs this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. The Patriots have the worst winning percentage in the twenty or the twenty twenty decade. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> <sighs>
1: That was weak. That is weak.
2: That I'll is do a I'll do a football fact. Logan always dude, you bring the worst out of me in these facts. I don't know why. I do like not. I I try to find <laughs> some I really do? I'm this
0: like over here on Google
2: problem. trying to find some really screwed up thing to say. This I'm just gonna not. stop. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with a fact that I already know. I saw I saw recently on Twitter is actually really interesting. Florida State's first game of uh, the last decade was against West Virginia and Bobby Bowden's last game as uh, the Seminoles' head coach. And FSU's first game of this decade will be against West Virginia with Mike Norvell making his debut as Florida State's head coach. So how about that? Ah, oh, interest. Say that one again
1: for the listeners.
2: Do I have to? It's a lot to say.
1: <laughs> yes. That was an interesting fact. I mean, we're talking Mike Norvell here. Everybody actually just woke up listening because they weren't listening. And once you say Mike Norvell, people start listening.
2: All right. The first game of last decade was against West Virginia. And Bobby Bowden's last ever game as Florida State's head coach. And the first game of this decade will be against West Virginia with Mike Norvell making his debut as Florida State's head coach. So two different situations.
1: That is actually pretty interesting. I'm not really sure why I asked you to say it again, but yeah, um, I don't know why either. Yeah, probably cuz I'm still looking for my fun fact. But thanks oh. for giving me a little bit more time, man.
2: Yeah. Uh, so do you have anything or
1: Yeah, I'm
2: ready. Okay. So Let's here we go. This is a good
1: one. I'm going to go away from sports here just cuz you guys took up uh, those slots from me, and there's no way I could go three questions about sports after talking about it for an hour and 20 minutes now. I'm going to go a little bit of body, human body and what it's like. Uh, women's farts have more hydrogen sulfide than men, meaning that they'll smell worse.
2: Cool.
3: Austin? I have no reaction. No? I really don't No. Just stupid.
2: Like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you want us to say about that? I mean, have you ever
1: been through that? Have you ever... <laughs> I've been through that. No, have you ever experienced that? No. A, a fart? I, maybe it's because they keep it in... They don't usually do it around us like guys do, but maybe they just because they keep their farts inside them more.
2: You know. They Why always... are
3: we still talking about this?
2: As you can tell, I'm letting him spin words against himself. I'm not saying anything back. I'm just, He's talking about this. I'm just sitting here. But reading. I'm.
1: All, you know what's so funny is that I'm also looking at the image of what this fact is on, and it's a girl underwater in her bikini, and there's bubbles coming out from. The
3: <laughs> <finale>. <laughs>
2: Like I said, I hope most of you got off this
0: podcast.
2: So <laughs> <good>. <laughs> this Let me, some weird stuff.
1: Here you go. L- look on the notes, guys. I got it on here. There's you the image. Look
2: on the notes.
1: Look, I, that's I don't want to see this. <laughs> that's the image I'm looking at. I
2: wish you could show everyone else.
1: <laughs> no, I hope I don't. Yikes. This, this comes from scoop whoop.com. Cool. Interesting fact there. So women have the smelliest farts more than men. Pretty interesting. So there's your fun fact from all of us that hear the spear. Unless y'all have anything more to say, we're going to end the end off our second podcast of the week and get ready for next week. You guys ready or Dustin, you ready for spring semester?
2: I'm just ready to be away from you. <laughs> That fact ruined, it kind of ruined my night. <laughs> ruined your night? Why? I've had a rough day and that just, that took it over the edge. <laughs> so,
1: thank you. So you're going to stay away from your girl girlfriend more? Does she scare you more now? What? I don't know how this affects you that much because you're not really around a lot of women except for your girlfriend.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's true.
1: So what it's do you, just, how did it hurt you so badly?
2: It just pains me that you took the time to find that. Well, I, I don't care I, about the actual fact.
1: Has anybody gone back and listened to the fun and disgusting facts that
2: you've come up with? I, Dude, I hope not. <laughs> exactly. For it, the sake of this podcast. Exactly, exactly.
1: <sighs> oh, Jesus Christ. Well, I think that's going to do it for the end of this episode on Hear the Spear. Uh, you can find us on itunes soundcloud spotify google play youtube if you're on youtube make sure you hit that subscribe button and hit the bell little notification thingy and then also if you're on itunes make sure you subscribe over there too because it will notify you every time we upload a new episode if you're also in there and you feel like giving a review feel free to do that and leave a five-star rating it helps a lot and helps us grow and reach more listeners. And then also, if you're on Twitter, make sure you tweet us at Hear the Spear and follow us over there too and stay contacted and connected with us every week. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to pretty much do it. I thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for Freddie coming on and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And we will talk to you guys uh, next week on Hear the Spear.